Hi, I'm Tafira Jemian. And I'm Sania Malik. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. This week we're talking about S.K. Ali's novel Love from A to Z, or A to Z if you are, like us, <laughs> based in Canada, and pedantic. This is a love story about Adam and Zainab. They're two teenagers, uh, an American and a Canadian teenager, who meet one summer and have their lives changed forever. Cute! So uh, S.K. Ali was an um, author at Montreal Yafest. We got to meet her and she's great, and we were really excited to read this book, especially Sanya. Yes. Sanya, how did it hold up to your expectations? Definitely blew my mind. Um, I just finished it, and I remember, like, you know that feeling you get when you finish a really good book that you feel like it'll stick with you for a really long time? Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. And I haven't felt that way in a very, very long time. So, yeah, honestly, I don't think I've ever connected to or related to a character as much as I did with Zainab which is the main character in the book she is Muslim and she's half Pakistani and she's just super 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 like for justice and I really 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 admired her character throughout the novel and there were times where I was feeling like how are, is she going to connect with Adam, who's super, like, like the complete opposite of her, mm -hmm. you know? He's super peaceful and calm, whereas she's super quick to get angry and defensive. So I was wondering how they would get together and how that would, you know, even, like, come about. And, yeah, I think that, you know, SKLE really did capture the whole notion of opposites attract. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, really enjoyed reading this book. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the thing that really struck me pleasantly with this book, which I, is something I'm getting to say a lot recently, the writing is so good. Yes. It's so well written. I love the structure. It's it's structured so kind of the conceit of it. What, what brings Adam and Zainab together is that they both have journals, their Marvels and Oddities journals, inspired by a 13th century manuscript that each of them finds uh, individually at, at different periods in their lives. And the book is framed by the author as being a telling of this true story that the author is telling. And I loved that framing yeah. of like, they've given me permission to tell their story. Like, I loved the idea of the protagonists being really active in the telling mm -hmm. of the story. I loved the the Marvels and Oddities journals, just the the conceit of them, the way they worked in the book. Mm -hmm. I loved how it really um, emphasized, as you said, the concept of opposites attract, where Adam really pays attention to Marvels and Zainab really pays attention to oddities. Yeah. And I have to agree, just I, I mean I am I am not Muslim or Pakistani, but I related so hard with Zainab for her her fierce craving for justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, her anger, which is effective anger, it's anger that gets stuff done, because I also really relate with that and, and have always been that kind of person and have often been 
kind of told to tone it down. And it was very affirming to see this character not learning how to overcome her anger, but learning how to channel it and use it Mm -hmm. uh, to achieve justice was just, I needed it. 100% same. So Adam, the main guy, he has MS. And so I've never really read a book or even watched a movie really where the main character had to deal with that. And I feel like, I really appreciated SKLE's like portrayal of it. Yeah. I felt like it was very honest and obviously it's not the same experience for everyone who has the disease, but you know, the way Adam, you know, dealt with it and the way it affected his life, like it made me want to understand him. And I really liked how she kind of showed it in a way where it was it wasn't like a death sentence, as they say, you know, in the book as well. Like it's not like the end. You know, a lot of people can live with it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was a bit concerned at the beginning of the book when it was, you know, first unraveling (laughs) and Tefer and I were texting and Tefer's like, if Adam dies, I'll be very, very upset. (laughs) And then it hit me like, wait, what if he does die? And I started panicking because I, as I said before, I can't deal with books where characters die. But then I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I don't know. I mean... Not that it would be realistic, but I feel like SKLE is, like, not afraid of that. Yeah. Like, I felt like through her writing and her words, she's not afraid to take that path in her in her work where mm-hmm. we don't agree with the ending or, you know, it upsets the reader. Like, I, I felt like she herself was strong. Yeah. Which is weird because when you read a book by an author, you're not really thinking about the writing as much as you are about the storytelling, especially with YA, I find. Mm -hmm. But with her, she did such a great job of doing both. Mm -hmm. And I could feel her like passion for her characters coming through in the story. So for some reason, if I did think about Adam dying or if anyone going through something that I didn't personally want them to go through, I thought about it in a way where I was like... You know, SKLE has this like great writing power where she can do anything and it'll eventually make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can really trust her as That's an author. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like she knows what she's writing. Yeah. This is weird, but I really felt like Adam and Zainab were real people. Yeah. Like, they were so real to me. Mm-hmm. Um, They weren't two-dimensional. Like, we got to understand their backstory, you know? I thought that was really unique. Yeah, one thing that um that I loved that I feel I don't see that often was that Adam and Zainab, not only did Adam and Zainab have their separate friend groups who they leaned on, but Zainab actually also made friends in Doha separate from Adam. Like the friends she makes are Adam's friends, but the relationship she develops with them, he's not involved in at all beyond Mm -hmm. the like initial meeting. They were just such independent characters, both of them. Like you got the sense that if they broke up, they would be fine. Like both of them are just so confidently secure in who they are. And that's something that I think we don't often get in a romance. And I think it makes the romance really strong to sort of very clearly have these two people. And it is sort of this like sweeping starstruck, there's one person in the world for you romance, Mm -hmm. like very much so in some ways. It's really set up that way with Adam saying, you know, for me, the way I practice my faith, the only option I have is to find the one person in the world before I pursue a relationship. And I liked having that kind of grounding of, well, if that's the approach you have for a relationship, you have to really know who you are first or it doesn't work. Definitely. 
So as a Muslim, like my idea of romance and relationships is I've noticed very different from like the Western way of thinking or just non-Muslim way. Um, So in this book, you know, they really do touch upon the whole idea about like not soulmates necessarily, but like just the one, the one you end up with. Yeah, I mean, I feel like growing up, I had this idea in my head as well where I was like, I know a lot of other Muslim people like who think like me about romance. So we approach it in a way where it's kind of like all or nothing. So if we're seeing somebody who we think could be potentially like that partner for us forever, then we'll pursue something serious with them. Obviously, I'm like generalizing here, but that's yeah, that's just my experience and some other people that I know. And like, for example, if you're seeing someone and you see something in them or, you know, they see something in you and it's just not working instead of like almost like trying to change each other you just move on and find like just pursue someone else or like someone who makes more sense yeah it's very logical in that sense very like rational you know arranged marriages are also really like a big thing and so like growing up for me like my idea of romance wasn't very like like for example when i was a kid and i used to watch cinderella i for a minute i was like oh my god so cute you know but then even as a kid i was like that's not gonna happen for me because I had this idea where I was like, it's either like, like, I didn't believe in romance almost mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. love. I thought that it was a bit more rational and like, just like that one straight path and you find that person, you marry them and that's it. That's all. And I'm so happy <laughs> that I don't think that way anymore. Right. And I feel like this book kind of solidified that change in my mentality because here are two characters that are like devout muslims that they pray they're religious they have a strong relationship with god and they're falling in love yeah you know like it really made me feel good to read this book for once because i've never read a romance book or watched a romance film with muslim characters where it felt this easy Mm. or like this right i feel like that's a key word right like For me, at least, I think that when I do like somebody and I feel like they're not right for me, I just get over it. Yeah. Because I know it won't end up anywhere serious. Mm -hmm. Whereas over here in this book, you know, Adam and Zainab get along really well and they have a lot of stuff in common. But one of their main differences is like the way they perceive life almost. Like, you know, one of them is angry and the other one is like passive and initially when i was reading it i was a bit like god if i was zainab i couldn't deal with the person like that because i'm super quick to get angry and i'm very defensive and like super super like loud whereas adam's like the complete opposite so for me i was putting myself in her shoes and i was like to me this wouldn't be right so i would move on and they actually have that conversation too they start to wonder are they right for each other and they like decide to stick with their feelings rather than like rationality and like that kind of proved me wrong because i was like okay wait so in this book it's kind of showing you that feelings should come first sometimes yeah it's okay to like someone who's not necessarily 100 percent right for you in that sense where you're like matching each other and like you have everything in common everything aligns like it's okay to want someone who's not gonna fit your standards of what you expect You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I feel like in that sense, this book really captured romance that I could understand and that I would want in my own life, which is like different because in the past, if I read a romance book, 
obviously the characters characters would be white you know and their love story would be something along the lines of they meet they don't get along something changes they start getting along they fall in love Mm -hmm. they have sex whatever that's it the end and i would not relate to any bit of it or if i did it would be a very brief brief thing but here i kind of related to everything which was so shocking to me Mm -hmm. yeah i i think it's really like a a strength of ellie's writing that in the point where they're kind of questioning you know should we go ahead with this or maybe maybe we don't i actually was starting to be like maybe they're not gonna end up together maybe maybe they're actually just gonna separate and like and that's gonna be kind of the the lesson in this is like that's okay and i think it's like i think i say it's a testament to ellie's writing because she does at the very beginning say like this is a love story and and she still managed to make me kind of forget that and be mm-hmm. like oh no Um, But what I really appreciated about that point is that Adam does go, wait a second, what do I know about her? And and what I really loved was when he like is like, oh, and your favorite color is blue. And she's like, no, it's not. It's orange. Like you just you just associate me with blue. So you assume it's my favorite color. Blue is actually his favorite color. Right. I loved that kind of reckoning of like, okay, Adam, you've made Zainab into somebody in your mind you've made her into somebody like you and it turns out she's really different and kind of what are you going to do with that um I loved that reckoning I think that was so important yeah I think the relationship wouldn't have been believable without that for sure and you know Adam says in the book that he needs like four impressions when he meets somebody to figure out if he likes them or not because he says like the first four or first three are basically your projections like on the person like Mm -hmm. what you expect them to be and you're just really like seeing them in your own way rather than seeing them for who they are so finally he constantly meets up with her and then that scene where they get angry with each other the way he's describing her he's noticing her face is like angry and she's like scowling and she's not smiling and she's not as bright as she looked before and he's seeing her in this new light and he's just like taken aback by it but he doesn't realize in the moment that this is literally her yeah like he's seen the good sides of her of course but she has this other huge part of her that is an angry like quote unquote social justice warrior like and he kind of gets surprised by that and i'm so happy that he kind of self-reflects and understands that okay wait i'm expecting this person to be someone else this is zainab she didn't hide this from me you know mm-hmm. and i like that he approaches her about it and he like wants to fix it it's not like they don't talk forever and then stuff happens and then they you know they meet each other years later and they're like hey i loved you like yeah. it's not cliche it's not stupid like that it's very very real it's very raw and it makes you want to own up to your own mistakes you know because he does that and i like how she does it too she's very she apologizes too like it was very healthy i find like there was nothing in the romance that made me cringe in the sense that it wasn't it wasn't unhealthy and it wasn't toxic it wasn't something i wouldn't want for myself so i was really appreciative of that because um of course starting all romance books i feel like i'm always looking for red flags like yeah you know, but I didn't find any in this one, mm-hmm. which was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only time I got cringy was when it became so clear that Adam had kind of just invented a Zainab in his head to be in love with. Mm-hmm. But then that got addressed. Yeah, that got taken on like head on mm-hmm. and dismantled really, really well. I also like that Adam seemed to be the one who had the most issues. Mm. Like to me anyway, like Zainab seemed to always kind of be like, I know what I want, like 
I will figure out if you are or aren't it and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And Adam's more the one who's like, destiny, fantasy, this has to be a certain way or everything will break down. And like, (laughs) in that way, it's kind of like, I like the contrast between Zainab, who gets in trouble for being angry and seeking justice, and Adam, who just kind of slides by, but is like low-key super dramatic. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, he's, do we know his birthday? I feel like he was... Okay, what do you think he was? I think he's a water sign. I felt like he was a cancer. I could see him as a cancer, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought Zayna was an Aries, but I, I don't know. I could I could see that also. It's because I'm an Aries, so yeah. I want her to be an Aries, but for all I know, she could have been like a Taurus or something. Yeah, I don't think she's a Taurus because I don't get along with Taurus. Like <laughs> so her. we're like, no, she's not a Taurus. We're yeah. canceling that. Although I recently realized, I somehow missed this, that my, my partner's chart has some heavy Taurus in it, and I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Oh, man. Yeah. Deal breaker. No, I'm kidding. But, but yeah, no, I think he's definitely a water sign because like, yeah, we tend sure. to be like, of course I know everything about everything and I'm so like intuitive and I'm so, <laughs> I just know people's emotions and then we also just project like hell mm-hmm. and are like, I know your emotions and it's like, no, no, you have made up this nice fantasy of what you think I'm feeling, but actually it's very simple. I am nodding my head. I a am a water right sign. Now. I am a Pisces. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, she's allowed to say this. Yeah, folks, yeah, yeah. I'm not. But yeah, I felt like I really loved Zainab's character. Like, oh my god, I don't think I've ever liked a character like that in my life. And she also made me like, as I said before, I felt like I was relating to her a lot, even in the parts where people were criticizing her for being too angry and for being harsh in who she blames. Kind of felt like they were talking to me. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm seeing this from another perspective, but she sounds like me. So maybe I should fix that about myself. And like it made me really think. And there's this part where she finds out that her grandmother in Pakistan was killed because of a drone strike. Yeah, that was just so sad and real Mm -hmm. because it happens so often and we don't talk about it enough. And I was so grateful that Ali took the time to delve into that. Yes. I didn't expect her to. I didn't expect this book to touch upon war and its effects on innocent civilians the way it did. Mm -hmm. And innocent Muslim majority countries like that are so warped up into this mess. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I was so grateful for that also in the book. And, you know, the part where she's really sad and she's crying about her grandmother dying in a drone strike. Some of... uh, the friends she meets through adam they come yeah and they try to comfort her about it and she's so angry at them even though they didn't do anything and she's just like like that was just so relevant to me because i was like oh my god i'm seeing myself in this person like that feeling you get when you're so angry at injustice in the world that you take it out on other people just for being ignorant Mm -hmm. and i think that chapter was called uh it was something about ignorance mm-hmm. and how it's not they're not the bad guys they just don't know any better yeah and i was just like well yeah and i'm so grateful that you know at the end of that chapter she kind of realizes that she needs to like stop blaming them because they're they don't have bad intentions you know and they even say it. they're like since we met you we're more interested in these things and we want to be better yeah so i feel like she kind of realizes that her anger can be effective in the sense that it can influence other people to care yeah which is also really important um back in college when i first started being more passionate about these issues i was a mess i was like her 
but I think 10 times worse. I was very angry. I thought that Muslims didn't have a place in the world. Islamophobia was the worst thing in the world. It is pretty shitty, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I was just, I felt very negative. I, like her, I barely recorded any Marvels in my life. So I feel like you need to find a balance and you need to figure out how to have like, yes, yeah, sure, be angry and be passionate and be loud and outspoken and bold, but make sure that your target isn't the people that just don't know any better like focus that energy on something that can change you know and i think that she really does that by the end of the book and i just related to that a lot there's this other part so she goes swimming a lot in the pool Mm -hmm. and and even in doha (laughs) there's a problem you know you know she wears uh clothes that cover her body and obviously they're not like normal swimwear and people start making complaints especially this one white man and his wife and they're like you're not allowed to wear that here and she gets you know basically told that you don't belong here and then she shows up the next time with a burkini and again it seems to be a problem but her aunt stands up for her and she shows her how you can use your anger sure to back up how you feel about a certain topic but it's also important to come at it in a knowledgeable way Mm -hmm. so her aunt really you know shows up with facts and she's like talking about what the material is made out of and this and that and then she tells the person so shut up you don't know what you're talking about and then it's fine Mm -hmm. and she's standing there Zainab's standing there and she sees that and she's like maybe I can do that too you know I think that facts and feeling should be together mm-hmm. in the sense that mm-hmm. when you're fighting for something or when you're talking very passionately about something you need to come at it from an informative way as well yeah and i feel like that book really explored that i loved the the sort of bathing suit storyline in it because for me it was such a it just really emphasized how like women's bodies are policed Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you wear it doesn't matter if you're trying to cover up your body or if you're revealing your body your body is policed and of course there's the second level of like of islamophobia which makes it worse but just thinking about like we see a lot of stories about like teenagers dress codes or whatever being like you can't wear a tank top or you can't wear this but then we also have the Quebec trying to ban the hijab in public spaces and it's just it's just so clearly like this is just policing women's choices in in one form or another it's exactly the same line it's like yeah that's that's really what it drove home for me was just like because there are a lot of white feminists who will be like oh we're like Like, Quebec also has made this big deal of, like, it's to liberate women. Like, not letting them choose what to wear is to liberate women. And it's just like, no, it's it's not. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely not. It's saying we know better than you do what works for you. And I just, I loved that that was how she chose to address it. uh, Because swimwear is always, like, fraught Mm -hmm. when you have a female presenting body. But people who try to say that, like, forcing women to be more naked than their comfortable being is liberation? Mm-mm. That doesn't fly. No, no. You know, I also really liked how in this book we see the emotional uh, detrimental effects of Islamophobia. Um, I've had my fair share of Islamophobic incidents. Um, definitely not like as extreme as what Zainab goes through being a visible Muslim uh, with her hijab Mm -hmm. but I feel like the part in the pool where 
the man is telling her again, you know, you're not wearing anything suitable. And then the wife says, oh, my poor husband, I feel bad for him. What if something happens to his heart again? Mm -hmm. He's so stressed out about this. And Zainab looks at her and she's like, what about my heart? Like, what about our hearts? You don't think about your actions, like what they're doing to us, how they're making us feel. And the woman just doesn't say anything because she didn't think about it from that perspective. And that's what Islamophobia does. It completely dehumanizes you. It makes you the other. Like, you don't deserve any respect. You don't deserve any human rights. You don't deserve basically anything at all. And it makes people kind of approach Islam in general and Muslims in a way where it's like very alienating and it's like something that they are never going to understand so why even bother it's completely backwards and oh they say it all the time but honestly if you research and if you ask actual Muslims your views will change completely and I feel like I was really glad that in this book Zainab was unapologetic Yes. She was not afraid of standing up for herself. And, you know, that part in the book, she just she's just tries to stay unbothered. And and you see that she's very unbothered by the end of the book where she's back in Fencer's class and he's saying a bunch of Islamophobic things. So the dialogue, whatever he's it's a okay. so in the book, in that part, there's a dialogue of him talking and then right under it's her thinking about Adam mm-hmm. and then he says something else that's Islamophobic and she look, she thinks about something else that's positive and it just shows you that she's not even caring right now yeah. but not in a way where she's given up on her fight in a way where she's realized that caring about what these people say and think it gives them power yeah. and so she just she just gets up and she looks at him straight up and says, listen, I don't have time for this. I don't have the energy to deal with your Islamophobia and I don't need to deal with it. Yeah. And she walks out of that classroom. And I was so, so happy when that happened because yeah. I was expecting something like she fights him. He fights her. Things get heavy. She cries. He doesn't cry because yeah. he doesn't have feelings. And like, you know, uh, in my own conversations with people about Islamophobia, rather con- conversations but arguments with people that are Islamophobic, um, they don't want to understand. It's yeah. as simple as that. They just don't want to understand. And you spend so much energy, you exert everything in your being to make them understand that, hey, I'm a human being. And they just don't. No. And I think yeah. that I really was appreciative of that fact uh, that this book kind of approached it in the sense where by the end of it, Zainab's not like, bending backwards to make him understand she doesn't care Mm -hmm. she's not trying to sit him down and to say hey here's the quran ask me how about my religion she's not trying to humanize him because she doesn't care anymore and i love that because Mm -hmm. i think that if you're gonna fight against oppression like that yes of course you should fight against people that are oppressive in the sense that you should you know fight back and like challenge what they have to say but make sure that you're taking care of yourself Make sure you're not expending everything in your body to make someone who doesn't understand you, understand you. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. Well, and somebody who doesn't want to learn won't learn. Exactly. You have to, if you want to change, you're going to change, you want to change on your own. No one can make anyone else change. Yeah. I'm strongly like a firm believer in that. And I think that it's a very healthy way to approach activism kind of. Yeah. For myself in college, I would, like her, I would cry because I would see the way people treated Muslims and I would s- deal with Islamophobic people. And 
just begging them to change their mind and they wouldn't and that feeling of frustration and of loneliness it really does t- like it takes a bit of you away from everything and it makes you feel like no one will ever understand you and it mm-hmm. makes you feel so sad mm-hmm. and i felt like she felt like that in the beginning of the book but by the end of it she was using her ch- anger and channeling it in a way where it was effective and it was good for her mm-hmm. and i really liked that because it was very empowering yeah no 100% yeah i agree with all of that <laughs> sorry i'm like I'm, super like ah, i'm no, so passionate about it it's so good i think i think it's it there's a lesson that everybody learns at some point everyone who's who's like gets discriminated against i guess there's probably people who don't ever learn this but like you can't teach people who don't respect you and like you're just going to exhaust yourself mm-hmm. and at some point you just have to like i don't know it sounds awful but like you just like consider them a loss mm-hmm. and you move on. Yep. It's just like, okay, this person is not that person. Like, mm-hmm. like they're not a person who's going to listen. They're not a person who's going to hear. So I'm going to like take care of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we talked a little bit uh, briefly before we started recording about um, Adam's conversion and how like for me, the one thing that I felt kind of was missing in the story was that I really wanted more meet around how Adam and his family converted. I wanted more of that timeline because we know that it happened soon after his mother died. We know that it happened as a family. We know that his extended family seems supportive. Like there's no talk of any kind of upheaval or anything like that. And they they are devout together. And Adam was 11. And I just, I really wanted more of that story. Mm-hmm. Like we have Zana being like impressed that he converted as a child because that's not common. But I just, and we see Adam's family like, like, you know, praying together and, and practicing together. And I just wanted to know more about how that happened because I was so curious. Like, mm-hmm. were they already exploring it before his mother died? Like, is there like, like who inspired it for his dad like how did he find it how did like Adam's journey go at 11 um and that was the one thing that I'm kind of like I want that story too um a little more yeah definitely I wish that we got to know a bit more about that definitely but yeah I feel like hey maybe we can have a prequel or like a sequel (sighs) and then there's more of that obviously not pressuring Ali to write more but I'm pressuring Ali to write more okay you are (laughs) But um, no, yeah, I feel like it was very normalized. It wasn't like a huge thing where you're like, oh, my God, like it wasn't his like sole part of his identity. Yeah. Which I think was important to do because I feel like I know for me, if I do come across somebody who's converted to Islam, it's like, oh, my God, what's your conversion story? And like, you need to know that detail and you need to know everything about that person's path to whatever whatever religion and i think that in a way i was like it was refreshing to not know it was just a part of who he is you know what i mean it's just like i was born muslim so i don't need to explain anything about it and he was he converted and he doesn't have to explain anything about it right which i thought was a really cool approach to it it was definitely different because i was expecting there to be like a whole backstory yeah because when i read the back of the book and i noticed he was a convert i was like okay cool so we're gonna get to see like how it happened and and then in the book there's like maybe a few pages describing yeah. his own his own father's like you know search for peace and yeah. how adam saw that and he wanted it too and that's it you know 
I thought that was really cool. Um, but I definitely agree with you. I do wish that we got to see a bit more just yeah. because we're curious beings. And it's a cool story, I think it could be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought it was really well done. Now that we're saying it, I'm wondering if part of that comes out of my background of being in the evangelical Christian church where like your conversion story is this like huge, huge, huge deal. And you're, oh my God, yeah. So there's this whole culture in the evangelical church where like the best way to get people to convert to Christianity is to tell them how you converted to Christianity. Mm -hmm. And there's like a real pressure to have like a really dramatic, impressive story and like like as kids you like practice telling your conversion story in bible studies yeah like legit you like you like will sit around and you'll tell it to each other and you'll tweak it and you'll like work on it and make it like the best possible presentation to present to somebody to make them want to be a christian um so i wonder if part of that for me is like but if you converted what's your like (laughs) tell us the dramatic retelling what's your testimony you call it your testimony tell me your testimony yeah which was like for me was bizarre because growing up I I was born into Christianity but that's the thing you have to have your story because otherwise God didn't actually save you you're just like there's no sense of like well I was born Christian so I'm Christian Mm. it's like a very different kind of approach I think for Catholicism it's different but not for the like sect I was in Mm -hmm. so I do wonder how much of it is just me projecting my own like (laughs) like religious background and being like I want to take an evangelical approach to this (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean that's a interesting way of like thinking about it I didn't even think about that at all I didn't know that was a thing yeah at all yeah wow but yeah I feel like often with people that convert it's like you expect them to tell you every little thing and I was kind of glad to see that Adam didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool that he was he converted. And it's like, we don't need to know. Yeah. Some things are just kept to yourself. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be shared with everyone. Yeah. Which I thought it was cool with him because he's a very private person. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's just quiet. I don't know if there's a difference. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I had a moment just as long as we're talking about this in the interest of full disclosure, I had a moment of kind of like catching myself where I was like, oh, but his grandparents are white Canadians and like, weren't they upset when like they converted to Islam? And then I was like, Taffer, <laughs> how dare you? Like, what? <laughs> I was like, why would you expect them to be like upset? Not all like, white people like, hate us. <laughs> right. And it was just, it was like this really... It was this real moment of me being like, wow, like, no, I have this in me, too. Like, I also have these kind of like... You know what, though? So yeah. do I. I, <laughs> I. I also felt like, how did they take it? Yeah. You know, because from my own experience, it's often been white people that don't really like who I am. Right. And even t- like till this day, if I'm with a white person and like, for example, like the like Azan goes off on my phone, which mm-hmm. is like the prayer... Um, like I wonder what they're thinking and if they're scared (laughs) or like but then for example recently I was with some white friends and like that happened and they were very cool about it and it was like my first time hanging out with them and they were very cool about it they didn't they weren't making me uncomfortable or anything and I was like wait Sonia maybe I need to chill like they're not all like (laughs) come on don't generalize like I definitely have those moments too I think we all do especially like after you go through and you see things and your whole life experiences kind of make you like have these preconceived notions, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. So in the book, we see both perspectives, right? We see two point of views. And so I was pleasantly surprised to see that Zainab had like 
you know, regular girl fantasies about your crush, like kissing him and all of that. And he had the same thing with her. And it was so refreshing to see because I was expecting it to be like, since they're both really religious Muslims, like we're not going to see any of that. And I was very, very, very shocked to see them openly thinking about like you know Mm -hmm. getting it on and Mm -hmm. i was like well that's amazing and that again challenged my preconceived notion about like religious practicing muslims and how you know or like other people's notions about them about how for example you see a hijabi girl and you're like okay she's oppressed or she doesn't she's not allowed to feel or all this other you know nonsense and here's one (laughs) Who feels everything yeah even the things you don't expect her to which is wanting to kiss your crush yeah i felt like there was even a scene that like for on adam's perspective that maybe alluded to masturbation oh yeah which and i was yeah. like okay 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 i was like well sir like <laughs> we're being realistic <laughs> yeah here. it was super realistic and yeah. that's why it was so refreshing to read because it wasn't trying too hard it was yeah. very honest in the sense that it here's two muslim teens who like each other but also like religion and their god and it's like you know you're allowed to just feel the way you feel and it didn't like guilt it didn't have any of that guilt that yeah. i think some muslims might feel or anyone religious might feel mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. it didn't and if it did have that guilt it was very brief and it was a bit like okay come on let's stop thinking like that yeah. and it was cute it was funny yeah it yeah. wasn't like heavy and it wasn't like taking a part of their soul and making them feel like, oh my God, I'm so guilty. Yeah. I can't fantasize about this guy. Like it wasn't like that at all. It was very natural, very normal. And I loved every single bit of it. Yeah. I loved the the guilt-free fantasy. Yes. That oh, was just I was so nervous like, about that. Yeah. I yeah. thought that there was going to be a part where they kiss each other and then they're like guilty and then they pray and... Well, that's not unreal and that I'm sure it happens, like I was happy to not see that. Yeah. I was happy that it was a bit more relaxed in that sense. Mm-hmm. And also I was kind of nervous. I thought that so often I've seen that in when there's like Muslim couples or something, there's always like maybe this pressure to westernize them in the sense to like make them kiss or have mm-hmm. sex and do things that are generally against their religion. But in this book there was like none of that. Mm-hmm like they wanted to kiss each other they thought about it they talked about it but they never did it yeah and i thought that was really cool to see it made me feel like okay cool so they're practicing their religion but also liking each other a hundred percent and we don't they don't need to like the author didn't need to kind of show them in this like liberal cool light like it was okay for them to be religious and it was okay like for them to not want to do those things it was almost celebrated yeah and i was so happy to see that yeah yeah i mentioned before that for me it was really jarring to have at the end of the book like and then they waited and then they got married Mm -hmm. because i'm like so used to a very different narrative right of like the people like i mean even just literally what caddy and i were talking about in the last one where we're like did they stay together or did they just have fun for a while and they break up and like it is something that at first i was like what what like wait what like um, you're like did i miss a chapter (laughs) well yeah and especially like again like I've, i've talked about this before like coming out of a conservative christian background and really having gone through these years of like nobody should ever wait till marriage that's so dumb and such a bad choice and just like having that really challenged by the story of these two very confident very balanced teenagers who fall in love and are like 
this is how we do things Mm -hmm. and like we're gonna talk openly about it and you know establish our boundaries and stick to them yeah i liked how they part ways at the end yeah but they're not it's not a big deal they don't cry about it they're not like stressed about their relationship working or not they're so confident yeah in god's hand at how it'll work out and i love that because it was very relatable i feel like for me as a muslim i'm very aware of or i try to be very aware of like god's hand and everything so i notice that in them as well like at the end when they're parting ways they're not upset or they're not they're not worried at all they know it'll be fine and i love that how they just kind of like give it all up to god and they're like i like whatever happens happens and it'll be fine if it's meant to be it'll be yeah yeah. i really like that i also really liked how in the book they were very or they tried to be very positive and i've said it before um i genuinely think that like some of the most positive people i've ever met in my life have been muslim Mm mm-hmm because the whole religion what it basically is kind of preaching is like a positive outlook on life and i i I love that about them these two characters i felt like it was a very positive and uplifting book even though it dealt with such heavy topics yeah and the way that you know skle portrayed death as well um it made me cry obviously you know Mm -hmm. adam talking about his mom and making french fries with her oh oh, that scene just made me cry because you know they finally like she tells him just cry it's okay Mm -hmm. and he cries Mm -hmm. and i i like how this book kind of placed death as this thing that is very natural and that it occurs and it happens and it's sad and you're allowed to move on and you're also allowed to mourn Mm -hmm. and there's a part at the end where zainab brings up his mother again and she feels bad and he says, listen, I'm not comfortable talking about her death because that's just a whole other thing. But I'm so happy to talk about her life. And I was like, yes, because for me and for many other Muslims, it's like when someone does die, we try to like, obviously we mourn and everything like that. But we give ourselves like like a short period of time to mourn okay. because we genuinely believe that, you know, um, to to god we belong to him we shall return which is like a a a prayer that he recites Mm -hmm. when he hears that her grandmother died and i really appreciated how skle kind of demonstrated that throughout the book uh obviously death is really like a heavy topic and losing someone is never easy and i feel like adam shows that it's never easy but then again he also shows that it's like like it doesn't have to be the end of someone yeah like, he still brings up his mom. He still thinks about her every day. And at the end, you know, when he's sitting with his dad and his sister, he brings up the mom again. And he wants to do it more and more. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, we we need to wrap up. I wish we had another hour to talk just I about, I could talk like, about this book forever. Yeah, talk about grief, talk about family. Like, the scenes with his mom, the French fry scene, like you said, was just, like, so devastating so hard like when she comes in and she's like okay i'm gonna teach you how to make french fries that's just like the idea of preparing your children for your own death is like is so gutting <laughs> like to me especially as a mom being like i can't imagine having that kind of strength and um there's so much more about like friendship and family and like 
Islamophobes on the internet. That's like mm. a whole God, yes. whole channel of this we didn't get into. Uh, so much to talk about. So satisfying to see Fencer go down. Yeah, the the thing that's really struck me about Love for Me is a is how much there is in it. Mm-hmm. Um we didn't even talk about like Adam as an artist, as a maker. Oh, like, oh, so many things to talk about. Talk about Hannah, who's like the spectacular character. Yes. And Zainab's aunt. Oh, my God. Yeah. A queen. A queen. Verily a queen. Yes. I would love to spend time on all the like, um, all the different backgrounds and experiences there mm-hmm. are because there's like Zainab's mom who converted, but is uh, West Indian, right? Yeah. And, and, and her dad and, yeah, there's just there. I love the whole palette of diversity there mm-hmm. is that's really true to this world. And the writing is just excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. I don't think I've been this impressed by a YA novel in a very long time. Like, it was so good. Yeah. Please, everyone, read it. <laughs> I, listened, I listened to it on audiobook, and I really, uh, I really want to see it on paper and see how all the formatting stuff, like, works out on paper. Yes. Yeah. I will give you my book. Okay. The voice actors, however, on the audiobook are great. Mm. And I felt like the the it's voiced it's voiced in part by SKLE. SKLE actually voices the like intro parts and the like narrator voice. But the actor who voices Zainab, I feel like her voice sounds like your voice. OMG, it was me this entire time. It was so fun. I was honestly, because like I did, I definitely felt the like associating her with you a little. I even felt like some of her like like physical descriptions of her face. I was like, oh, I feel like she looks kind of like Sanya. Wow, um, that was the nicest thing anyone has ever <laughs> said to me. <laughs> like obviously she has curly hair. And now I'm, I'm trying to find the like credit for the for the voice actor and I can't. Uh, but her voice sounds a lot like yours. And that was just like super fun to have that like. Oh, wow. I was like, I kept trying to be like, okay, this is like not Tanya. You have to like, you have to like separate <laughs> this experience from Tanya. <laughs> but like, yeah. Oh, wow. That's it so sweet. Cool. It was cool. Yeah, the audiobook was well done. That's um, great. So, yeah great book we could talk about it so much more i'm honestly sitting here like maybe we can do another episode on this please no we can't set that precedent we'll never move on to other titles if we set that precedent this is true <laughs> but wow this book was so good i high key think i'm gonna read it again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just to catch things i might have missed mm-hmm. no it's beautiful it is it's so beautifully written so empowering so realistic and so uplifting so uplifting yeah there's no drama there's no and it's so refreshing i'm telling you there's no like oh cheesy cringy and they're like young too they're what 18 and 16 eh? and they are so mature and oh i was like can't relate but will relate i think they're actually both 18 because anab is like getting into school and it's oh, I in the she US was two years younger university. than him. I thought so too, but she's she's like getting her university letters. I don't know anything about America, so you're probably so right. So in the US you're usually 18 when okay. you start university. I was I was 17. No, I was 18 when I graduated high school. Yeah. Oh wow. Um because you go to grade 12? Oh, it's true. You don't yeah. have CJP there. And we don't have CJP. Yeah. But he could be like 18 almost 19 and she could be like 17 almost 18, right? Like I mean, yeah, maybe. Like, I have sisters who graduated at 17 because of where the cutoff is for their birthdays. Right. Um, I have sisters who graduated at 16 because they were scary smart. But that's wow. different. Yeah. <laughs> Can't relate. <laughs> Me neither. 
Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at Sanya Malik X. And I'm at Teffer Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons Catherine McGuire, Catherine Resch, Chantal Thomas, Lizzie Tenhove, and Erica Stitchberry. Thanks for keeping the show great. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. During the month of June, for every review we receive, and that includes reviews on Facebook, we are donating to allout.org, an organization that supports queer people in, um, in hospitable countries. You can also support us by sharing this episode with a friend who you think will like it. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song, Jenny's Groove, as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tefer Ajenian, and edited by Tom Zalatnai as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi everyone, I am Hughes the Younger. And I'm Hughes the Elder. We also go by Nick and Jim respectively. We are the father-son duo and the co-hosts of Canada's Young Leaders. CYL is a podcast that Nicholas and I put together and bring out every week. We interview a really exciting special person. We take a lot of time to find them and they bring to you new ideas and new messages that we think you'll find interesting. We are really trying to push the dialogue forward, introduce our listeners to big ideas in realms of immigration, indigenous reconciliation, climate change. Ultimately, we want to push Canada forward on these issues and really create a better country for all of us. So please tune in. We release episodes every Monday and you can find us on the Upward Network. Hey everybody, we are the Don't Be Mad Podcast, partners of the Upford Network. My name is Matthew and I'm joined here as always with... Jason. Jamali. We cover everything from politics, sports, and pop culture. And you can catch us every Monday on all podcast platforms and you can watch our videos on YouTube.